0: Hello there, welcome to another episode of the Thrifty Marketer podcast. Today is our last episode honoring Mental Health Awareness Month. Today we will be busting some of the myths related to mental health with Dr. Rigu Raghavan, professor at De Montfort University, Leicester. He is the director of Mary Sekel Research Center, an interdisciplinary research institute focusing on mental health, migration, ethnicity, and culture at De Montfort University, he is also a co-director of leicester center for mental health research lmhr a collaborative research center with de montfort university leicestershire partnership nhs trust and the university of leicester let's go
1: as you all know you know this month we are trying to celebrate mental health awareness month and we have had a couple of good sessions on mental health uh, so today uh, I have a special guest all the way from Leicester uh, United Kingdom. So he is a doctor. So let me give an introduction. He has got an amazing introduction here. So pro- I, today my guest is none other than Dr. Raghu Raghavan. He holds a chair in mental health at D Montfort University Leicester. His background in is in health psychology and nursing and his work focuses on mental health and disability cultural diversity, participatory research, and co-production. He's a director of Mary Seacole Research Center, an interdisciplinary research institute focusing on mental health, migration, ethnicity, and culture at De Montfort University. He's also a co-director of Leicester Center for Mental Health Research, or LMHR, a collaborative research center with De Montfort University. Leicester Share Partnership NHS Trust and the University of Leicester. He has initiated and led inclusive community engagement and research on disability, mental health, resilience, well-being in the UK and in India, with diverse cultural and migrant communities using innovative interdisciplinary approaches. Uh, for maximizing participation and influencing impact on policy and practice. He has published widely with over 100 publications on the theme of mental health, disability and health inequalities of diverse cultural community. So, you know, by hearing the introduction itself, you know that what kind of conversation we are going to have, right? So we are going to talk about a lot of myths about mental health. Mental health is a subject where there are so many myths when i was doing my research i thought this conversation is gonna go over a period of two three sessions because there are so many myths around this so without further ado let me ma- bring dr ragu raghavan hello sir how are you i'm good i'm good uh, you're a bit away from your microphone. uh yeah it's a little bit feeble actually Yeah. 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 It's better now. It's getting better now. By the way, thank you so much. uh, Thank you so much for taking time out and uh, no, you're not audible now. The earlier one was better. No. (laughs) No. I think the earlier one was better. Okay, one minute. Let me unmute unmute your mic. I think you have muted your uh, your mic. Isn't connected. That's the message I am getting. Yeah. Now we know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you, can you hear me now? Yes, fantastic. I can hear you loud and clear. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, thank you so much for saying yes to this. Uh, I have been trying to bring on, uh, you know, uh, speakers like you this month, especially to talk about mental health. So today, you know, uh, uh, we are going to talk about I have done some uh, curated some myths about mental health, which we all believe in. And I would like your help in busting some of them at least. So if you're ready, we can start.
2: fine, thank you.
1: Right. Uh, actually, uh, you know, your your volume is fluctuating. Can you hear me now? Yeah, it's this is perfect. This is perfect. Right. All right. Uh, so uh, you know, just to just to uh, start off, you know, uh, today is the last session of mm-hmm. us honoring mental health. So what are you mental health awareness month? So what are your thoughts on? Mental health awareness across the globe. You know what are the what are the trends? Some of the trends which you are observing when it comes to awareness of mental health and how to take care of mental health. Okay. Well, I think first of all, I must actually say um about what is
2: mental health and what is mental illness. Because right. obviously, you know, mental health is not mental illness. Mental illness is, is uh, you know, is, is a is a result of not actually having good mental health. Is what we have mental. Illness. So right. if you talk about mental health awareness, um, then that you, looks at the positive health promotion of mental, positive mental health promotion. Right. Um, so I think mental health is actually, everybody has mental health. Everybody, right. and are we all creating that mental health in the positive right. sense. Uh, right. In the sense that, you know, we, we are able to work through the stress and strain of our lives, and we are able to try and see the difficulties in our lives on a day-to-day basis and all the kind of uh, traumas and experiences that we have and is how one makes sense out of it and how one is able to manage it and cope with it well and 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 um, and see the other end of the day really in terms of inequality right. um, right. so that's mm-hmm. a simple definition of what is mental health and I think we all experience distress and um, there is right. not a single person in this world who doesn't actually experience distress. So we right. all experience distress. The, the right. thing that it becomes a condition or an illness when the distress is actually experienced over a period of time, and that you're not able to manage your day-to-day activities very well, um, and that you're not able to function very well. That's when it actually becomes an illness. So we right. all experience distress, and we all have the capacity to try and get to the other end of the, the other end of right. the day in terms of managing it. Right. So. So uh, around so that that's the kind of concept about mental health and mental illness um, right. but around the globe um i think um there are loads of programs um in relation to mental health awareness um obviously there is a world mental health day on the 10th of 10th of october every year and as actually this week in March, may is also celebrated as a mental health week um right. but you know the thing is that the 85 percent of the world's population, um, live in 153 low-middle-income countries. You're not right. talking about countries, 85% of the population live in 153 low-middle-income countries, which, which which consists, which India is also part of that. Right. Um, so I, I think that the, the, the issue is actually in terms of resources uh, in, in low-middle-income countries and the kind of awareness about um, mental health and how to promote better mental health and also, how to understand a mental health condition. Um, right. and mental health awareness is actually is quite very loosely talked about. You know, you think that mental health, um, you know, is something if you don't have any if you don't have any symptoms, uh, you're supposed to be mentally healthy. But that is right. not true at all, really, because everybody. And I think that 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 that's a kind of a, a, an illusion that if you don't have any symptoms, you are mentally healthy. I think just how one constructs um one's life in terms of the stress and strain is what is actually important right. that's where mental health literacy comes in i think we need to talk about more about mental health literacy rather than mental health awareness mental, because mental right. health awareness is a new stuff because mental yeah, yeah. health literacy consists of six different components you know one is actually having some good knowledge about what are the kind of mental health conditions that what should affect uh, both no, man, woman or children or whatever, what are the kind of conditions that we could actually be affected by? Um, right. I think so, having good knowledge about that is actually very much important. Um, right. be, it, be it in a high income country or a low income country, I think we need to have that. More right. in the low income country because of the fact that the resources are not actually going to be there, uh, are not there at the moment. But in the high income country, despite all the resources, we still have a high prevalence of mental illness here. Um, yeah, so that, that's a different equation altogether. Yeah. So it's important to understand what are the conditions that actually affect us um, and what kind of, um, you know, what what are the kind of um, ways in which we can deal with it ourselves in terms of self-help modes, uh, in terms of interventions that we can actually do that ourselves in terms of uh, changing our mindset um, and also changing the lifestyles, etc. That is very important. Right. And thirdly, in terms of how, what kind of professional. Um, are available, what kind of services are actually available if we were to actually seek some additional extra health questions also. Good. Right, so that's yeah. the third factor. And the fourth factor is actually having um you know in, in the kind of um stigma around mental illness, um, our mental even talking about mental health is very stigmatic sometimes. People don't want to talk about mental health, it is the yeah, stigma yeah. around it, the family stigma, the social stigma, the employment stigma, and all those things. So having it's how we understand that stigma, and how we cut kind across of through that stigma is very important. Mm-hmm. And, and this, I think is actually having more information. How do we get the right information? Because there's a lot of um, uh, you know non-relevant information about mental health and mental illness that circulates on various social media platforms. But mm-hmm. what is the right information? How can you actually get the right kind of information? So those things actually, are mental health the literacy is actually more important. And it is not just having the one literacy alone that is actually important here, because if people construct kind of number of literacies.
0: You yeah.
2: know, uh, you could you could um, you could be a spiritual person, you could be going to a psychiatrist or a psychologist or somebody. So you might still hold on to your spiritual belief systems or religious belief systems. You could actually have a different community or um, um, uh, you know belief systems, etc. All those belief systems actually helps us to hold those literacies together. So right. mental health this literacy is not just saying that psychiatry or the Western model of looking at mental illness is the only option. Exactly. We have to think it more culturally. We have to think it more internationally. Different cultures express things differently. Um, and I think um, mental so the, the the Western psychiatry is being proposed as the one model um, for the whole of the universe. Whether whether that applies to all countries is a different question. I don't think it does. For each country and everybody actually expresses experiences yeah. and expresses their mental health symptoms differently so I think it's important that culture is actually looked for because culture shapes us the way we think so I think that's very important to do that so from a yeah. global concept I think there are different prevalence rates um, around in, in, in countries and I think uh, you know obviously major depression um, depression is the, the highest prevalence about 300 million people around the world actually experience um, depression. Um, okay. And followed by uh, you know some other um, uh, by the kind of depression and the what you call the bipolar uh, illness and and and, um, and depression and anxiety are the kind of major disorders worldwide. Um, majority right. actually experience that. Not in okay. terms of schizophrenia and other kind of illness are actually really, only tiny percentage of the people actually experience that. The extreme forms of mental illness that that uh, some people actually experience. But majority of people experience mental health, anxiety and and, and depression and the various stages of depression, um, minor depression or also major depression. So I think there is that that global awareness system, global, but I think people don't actually address it. Um, There are issues surrounding getting help, even in Western countries with high income countries, um, you know, there are difficulties in actually accessing services here. Uh, we had to wait for a, a psychiatrist or a psychologist to be seen for a number of weeks before we see right. somebody here, um, because we have a free system in in the UK, uh, whereas some in other countries uh, it might be very different. So are, from country to country, it varies. Right. But right. in the Indian context, in the Indian context, it is it is um, uh, uh, it, 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 there are there are issues in relation to how the rural and urban uh, and tribal communities actually access mental health services. So about right. one in four uh, people actually experience some sort of mental distress or mental health issue um, uh, at any time in their life. That is the kind of Western way of doing things. From the Indian right. survey thinks about one in five person um experiences mental distress at some time during their life. So that is right. that is a very tiny way we try and equate the kind of what is in the global context um and also in the in the in the Indian context. And a lot of right. Problems around the world in terms of conflict, um, in terms of war, displacement and a lot of other things are major factors um, in terms of uh, mental illness. We Um, should not look at mental illness purely from a biological perspective. We should look at it from a social cultural perspective Um, because I think um, uh, the societal values and other things actually are integral to it um, and also the cultural values are integral to it. Um, and, and and how we actually, and, and I think all those things actually come, come together in terms of uh, how we look at a person as a whole. Yeah. I think in the, in in the modern psychiatry, people tend to look at people from purely from a symptom perspective. That that person expresses a symptom, yeah. uh, experiencing anxiety. Yes, I mean I was very anxious before I came onto this program. That doesn't make that doesn't make me mentally ill. Um, exactly. So that, you know we are all actually anxious at certain times. Um, at certain times in the day, even any any new activity that we do, we are anxious about those things. But I think we must move away from the symptomatology, uh, looking at person purely as a symptom. We must see the person as a whole, and um, we must right. see the whole uh, holistic way of actually looking at from the, the religious, cultural, and the social perspective of that individual. And I think that right. is happening in certain parts in in some of the low-income countries that actually happens, the people see as a whole, but some of the the high-income countries may not like that kind of narrative uh, in terms of how things are actually doing. So there is the the politics of mental health and mental illness as well in
1: that kind of point. Right, right. Uh, Even for the point itself, awareness and literacy, that itself makes so much sense, you know. So I'm excited to have these myths ready for you so that we can clarify that and bust them as much as possible all right so getting into the myths the first myth which i wanted to talk about was you know most of the people believe that mental illnesses aren't even real illnesses so what are you, what are your, what are your thoughts on that
2: mental uh, illness is is um, it, it is an illness it is an illness that um, many people around the world actually experience we we have um, enough evidence to actually show that that it is an illness, and and the thing is that um, the person uh, it is only known to the person who actually experienced that. So if I'm telling my story of how I experienced mental illness, that is my story. And and I think, but you can't see it. in The same way as you know, like, you like, know, if somebody is actually having um, uh, a lack of oxygen, or somebody is actually having uh, some uh, lung infection, or your uh, your heart is not actually working. There are physical things that you could actually see. But I think in a similar way, in mental illness, majority of the stuff you might not, it, it is not, you can't see it.
0: You have right.
2: to you have to rely on the person reporting it. Or you have right. to rely on the, on the person's relative or friend reporting that because the person is not able to talk about it. So I think that is true context here. So but I think it is, it is an illness it is, there are, because we have established forms of treatment, we have established forms of support mechanisms, um, and all those things that are actually being well researched around the world in terms of a global uh, mental health perspective. So they are real, um, but I think people have to trust that is, that, that, that actually, actually exists. But when somebody says that I'm feeling very anxious or when a child says that I can't sit for this exam because I'm feeling very anxious, I mean we push somebody into that process. We don't listen to those people. And I think think it's important that we provide a supportive environment when somebody is actually feeling down uh, or somebody is actually really um, depressed in relation to certain things or somebody's feeling very anxious or somebody is actually showing other symptoms that are actually relating to that, you know, feeling very paranoid about things or feeling that you can't go out, be that kind of obsessive-compulsive stuff or whatever. So that. we must we must try and understand that. And it is not, it is. I think it's the holistic. The way I said it's a holistic thing because the individual reports those things. Who is actually closer to that individual? I.e., the family member, the fam, the friend networks or social networks. They have a responsibility also to try and understand that. The family is integral to this concept because they would know what the person's behavior was like a week ago or two weeks ago, or a month ago. And now what the person's in a behavior is like, you can see the person is not actually self-caring, who is not talking the right way or all those kind of things. You can actually see that there is a change in the person's behavior um, right. and also the thinking patterns and thought patterns. But I think it's important right. for the family or the closer networks to actually look at that. Um, and also the employer, in a, if somebody is actually working in, a, in an employment context, the employer has a responsibility as well in terms of looking after the mental health of the employees and providing the best support possible as well. So, But mental health, mental illness is real. It does actually happen. Um, many people actually experience it. Um, but not all people actually experience mental illness, but all people experience mental distress at some time in their life. But no, that doesn't mean you're so that you're mentally ill. Okay, right. um, I have experienced mental distress as I said, today and yesterday, and I might actually experience it tomorrow. But I think many other people might not be able to, um, uh, they, you can look beyond that. But some people are actually in, in that state, and then I think you might need more time. You might require more treatment to get through that process. It is real, it just actually happens. There is enough scientific advice um, and evidence in relation to it. And there is also it is culturally known as well. It is it has been there from time immemorial. It did not just did not just start in the last 50 years or last 100 years. We have right. an evidence from from history, from from our cultural heritage. There are enough accounts of how mental health uh, uh, and mental illness actually exist in in communities, uh, in people, and how it might be interfering with the kind of um, you know, it is it is a kind of a massive. Um, well, uh, it, the global you know, the index in terms of uh, health problems. The massive, It's a massive burden for the, for, for the world as such in terms of the number of days that are actually lost in terms of employment, in terms of work, etc. by people who might be actually going sick as a result of mental health issues. And hence, right. it is an important issue to be addressed. It is not say, taken something to be very lightly. You know, It is right. not just me saying that I don't feel very well today. Yes, we all feel like that. Yes, but I think then somebody has to um lend a, a listening ear to that person try and talk about why are you not feeling very well and good things. Yet. So I think there is a reluctance, um, not just in India but around the world to actually talk about mental illness, to talk about mental health. So we Absolutely. It is important, and that it is important that we talk about it. And they, that is why the programs such as these, which actually mainstreams the conversations around mental health and well-being. That is why it's very important. So it is real, there are treatment approaches, um, and there are unknown quantities as well. I'm not saying that all is fine here. There are unknown quantities, there are major gaps. Uh, we are still learning about a number of things in, in terms of mental health and well-being and mental illness as well. But it is real, and there are established treatment modalities
1: Right, right. So I hope next time before you answer, it's all in your head. Uh, you know, you listen to this answer carefully. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a real thing. Mental illness. All right. The second, moving on to the second myth. You know, some people while while discussing about mental health, they believe that mental illness comes with the birth. So is that true? What are your thoughts? Mental illness comes. What, what did you say? It it comes with the birth.
2: It's it's genetic uh, hereditary, right? I mean, it, it, some there are some um, uh, mental illnesses that might actually happen as a, from from birth onwards as well. In terms of some of the uh, uh, genetic abnormalities and other things that there are biological factors that might actually predispose somebody. So for example if two if the father and mother both are actually experiencing diagnosable mental illness not mental distress if they are actually experiencing diagnosable mental illness then there are more chances of the of the son or daughter or somebody having that kind of condition and i think both parents actually are diagnosed with mental illness the chances are higher if one parent is diagnosed with mental illness then i think the chances are slightly lower but still higher than, than both parents not actually being diagnosed with mental
1: illness. right Right. Um, so I think there are the
2: genetic abnormally, genetic issues here in terms of how this might be a hereditary factor. But that's only a tiny percentage of them. Um,
0: right. Okay,
2: in terms of uh, in terms of how this might actually build in, and also there are things such as the disabilities actually as well in terms of uh, because that is all classed under the kind of mental health disorders um, umbrella um, of um, you know learning disability, having a developmental disability. Um, somebody with autism or somebody with other things are also classed under these things. There are they actually happen from birth because of chromosomal or genetic disorders or whatever that is. There are neurodevelopmental disabilities. So I think that those actually happens as a result of um, abnormalities at birth. Uh, so that's the reason why I think in, in it is important that we. Um, we have, um, when the, uh, for, for the childbirth, that is the, you know, parents are actually keeping good, good mental health and they're actually eating good food and they're actually having good exercise. They have a good mindset um, and, and there are, they have a good social network. There is, is happiness and they're able to make meaning and sense out of their lives, etc. All those things are actually important um, in a pre-birth and, and also during that birth. And in the Indian, in the Indian culture in the Indian history, that has given utmost importance in, in, in the Indian scriptures in terms of how, um, you know, the, the, the deli- how uh, absorbed in terms of the, in, in the motherhood and and, and and fatherhood and all those kind of stuff. Uh, there are enough explanations about. So it is, it is, um, it does actually happen. It, it is, it is important. It, it does actually happen at birth, but it's a very tiny percentage. Majority of the things actually happen outside that. People develop some form of uh, some people might in, uh, develop at the age of 14 or at the age of 25 or whatever depends upon the stress factors depends upon the conflict factors because number of other things that might actually add to it that's why we can't just purely look at it from a biological perspective but right. there are there is, the, there is a nature nurture interaction happening here uh in terms right. of uh, genetics and environment um uh, or in influences that in terms of both. Old- development, but more into so, more so in terms of the mental health issues.
1: Got it. Thank you so much, Doctor, for that answer. All right. So moving on, you know, third third myth which I wanted to discuss with you was, you know, there's a belief, common belief, that mental health issue cannot be cured or prevented. So I would need your help in busting that one.
2: Um me- mental health uh, there is there is cure um right. there is there. whether there is a total cure for all illnesses um th- that is that that i can't promise um, i right. obviously we are still we're still gathering enough evidence in relation to that but right. i think um for majority of the illnesses um there is there is there is uh, that we can manage it that is controllable um that you can lead a satisfactory life with a mental health condition that is that is the important point really. Yeah. You could live with depression, you could live an adequate life with depression, provided the person is actually having the opportunities, the support mechanisms and all those kind of stuff. Okay? Right. In the same way a person with diabetes lives an adequate life, the same way a person with heart disease lives an adequate life, the same way a person with cancer or out of cancer might be leading a, an adequate life, the same way you, know, you can actually live with a condition of depression, you can also right. live uh, in a condition of severe mental illness as well as possible, um, yeah. one person get the right treatment um and i think and the right support and i think it's not just a treatment mental health is not just about popping a pill into one's mouth like like the way we like the way we cure headache um sure. it is more than that it, you know, you have to have you have to have wider awareness. You have to see how other people's reactions are towards you. The stigma and people don't look at you in the right way. People don't talk to you. People think that you are a strange fellow. People think that you're you are not able to work. People think that you should not be talked to, and all those things. They create major issues. So right. it is more about how other people's outlook are about the person who is actually experiencing the distress is even more important than the person experiencing the illness itself. So I think, right. way, you know, we, the way we look at it, mental health and mental illness, society has to change. In any way. But who is right. society in the first place? Is you and me, who's a society? So the timeline, a few months ago, I think it was last year, I was talking to a university um, in India, and then somebody actually said, oh, we, you know, it is not our responsibility. Society has to change. Government has to change. But who is society? Right. Who is government? It is us. We change right. our attitudes. We change our attitudes, and, and, and together we can collectively change the society's attitude. But it is Absolutely. not somebody else's responsibility to change our attitude. So I think it's important that that we all realize that. That is a, that is the point. It is our responsibility that if we change our mindset, if 10 people changes their mindset in terms of mental health, uh, literacy and mental health and illness, then I think then they would actually support ad- adequately. So I think it's important yes. to try and look at that from that perspective. A family changes their attitude in relationship you know, the major notion that somebody, there is somebody in, in, in the family who might be experiencing anxiety, or is a child in the family with a disability, and then the, the girl in the family can be married off. Oh, who says that? Who says that? Who makes these norms? They're nonsense. I can't be foolish. Um, and I think it's important that we time, in this modern age, we should need to move around. What is literacy all about? Literacy is all about understanding the whole concept and how we move on from those kind of, um, contexts. Yeah. So I think it's, it, it is, it is creating that knowledge it is creating that confidence that you know I can I can manage this and I can manage the person I can move on in my life come what may is having that right. courage the same way as one with heart disease might you know a condition might actually say that okay I'm going to take a little walk I'm trying, going to actually adventure into certain things etc it is having the confidence but here other people have to support the person as well right. Right. that's that's
1: a, that's a very very amazing answer if you ask me you know that's that's fantastic we all have to change our attitude towards mental health and mental health awareness right the fourth myth which i wanted to discuss with you was the is the belief that therapy and self prevention are a fad and they do not work so what are your thoughts on that who said that
2: <laughs> I, I, I want i want to find the person who said
0: that
2: <laughs> 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 uh, so, you no, know, I think therapy and, and all those things are not fun. They are real. Um, I think they're there for this particular reason. Um, they're there. Uh, people have actually used them worldwide, and people have actually have experienced benefits from that. Right. You know, benefit can vary. I mean, I think it can, you know, not everything actually works um, the same way. For in the same way, as um, you know, like the normal tablets that you take for any kind of the same thing doesn't work for everybody. So there are different ways as to how things might actually work for each person. Right. Whereas I think in, in the field of mental health and mental illness, and I think you have to combine with um, uh, uh, maybe there are medications that maybe had taken. There are uh, you you need to try and control the kind of hormonal mechanisms in a way. You also need to kind of have the uh, talking therapy alongside it. Uh, if I may put it that way, there are various types of talking therapies, the lock working therapies, they loose terminology which also number of um, number of therapeutic modalities. So if you have if we combine them together, the success rates are slightly better. Uh, and that we have known for the last 50 or sixty years, I mean we have quite evidence about that the combination therapies actually work better other than just medication on alone. And the combination therapies and the family awareness and, and, and the immediate awareness of other, other people around that individual, if, if they're actually able to support the person, the success is far greater as well. Okay? okay. So, but having said that, I think there are certain, you know, you tend to have some kind of illness. You, you, there are therapies, so none of these things might actually work in extreme format. And I think that, that does actually happen here too. Um, and and i think but in the person in that in those cases you actually can actually make the person's life as comfortable as possible um for that person and that person doesn't have to be living in a prison or or, or in a locked up environment or anything like that but I think they can have an ordinary uh, environment and how, the, how how that person is actually supported so i think therapy is not actually bad, it is actually a, a valuable evidence-based um, intervention that we can uh, very confidently approach Um, and there are things such as cognitive behaviour therapies which are widely uh, prevalent and and which are widely beneficial for people. Um, It's not just the therapy on its own. There are things such as, um, uh, you know, the traditional um, kind of things, yoga, meditation, um, creative creative therapies such as arts, music um, and other things. All those things that are actually helpful here as well. It is not just therapy things. You have to, right. you have to engage yourself because right. you, in a, in, you have to work towards getting better here. So I think you, you have to, you have to put an effort in it in, in the context as well. In majority, in, I think in terms of anxiety, and depression, other some of the other illnesses, where you are able to try and make an effort here. So right. then I think you are able to understand what those things are, I and mean, you are able to understand what those thought mechanisms are. You are able to understand what those anxiety triggers are, etc. So. Then some of those health modalities might be also beneficial alongside the therapeutic um, therapy. Right. But I think in some, some minor cases, self help, help might, alone might be helpful as well. So you don't necessarily have to go and spend uh, a lot of money to see a therapist, perhaps. Um, but I think you might be able to actually address that yourself. But very much, yeah, that is an individual decision. We can't collectively say this works for everybody. So you have to make the decision, informed decision, um, as to what works for you and what, what, right. what is it that you need uh, after consultation uh, with the
1: professional. Absolutely. So I'm pretty sure that therapies work and it is it is kind of a uh, effort from your end as well as from your uh, you know, professionals help you can get better. Fifth myth, which I don't know, my psychologists yeah. and psychiatrist friends may agree or may not agree with it, but I had to ask this. You know there's a common belief among people that mental health professionals, which, which is basically psychologists, psychiatrists, etc., they make a lot of money off people suffering from mental health. So, what are your thoughts on the same? Um, I'm not sure about whether they
2: make a lot of money from that, and because and, um, I think, um, their professionals are there for a reason, right? Right, professionals are there for a reason, um, and I think whether they are actually in in government medicine um, services, government services or, or you know what we, uh or government funded services um or or in private practice there are they are there for a reason for this for for as a trained professional in a particular discipline and that that applies to that applies to psychiatry that applies to other forms of illness as well that applies to you know um, heart disease that applies to cancer related stuff or that applies to infections or other things as well what are the things actually related to that but I think, um, from, a, from a broader mental health perspective, every you know, we have a moral and a social responsibility to actually provide intervention, be it right. free or be it paid. And I think that that is the case here in terms of how we try and um, provide those things. Otherwise, I think if somebody is actually providing a valuable service, um, then and I think they are actually charging a cost for that particular practice in terms of private practice. That um, then. Then I, I'm, I'm not here to judge any of those things, but from a quality basis, I'm. You know, everybody may have to make a living, um, and I think everybody has got a charge to pay in the same way. And the IT guys actually charge you X number of money for for developing a program. You have to dish that up. So why, why why not a psychologist or why not a psychiatrist who actually trying to understand your 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 mechanisms and you know, your your well being? So I think that is that is very important. So, but I think it's, it's important that we. We provide a service for everybody, Um, and um, and especially in the low middle income countries, uh, there are shortage of resources, there are not many professionals, um, and there are uh, there are a lot of charities in India that I know who provide free service, free service for communities as well. Um, You know, both in the uh, rural communities and tribal communities, there are free mental health services for from uh, not a not a single penny, not a single uh, paisa, I should say, not a single paisa is actually being. uh, um, being uh, given for that. So I think right. that uh, those services also exist, um, both in India, for a number of organisations in India, um, but also in, in, in other countries as well. But I think right. it's, um, it, it's, it's a, it's a service, if you're delivering a service, then there is a there is a fee that you pay. I think you need to look at that from that dimension. But are you getting better is a question that you should be asking, not, rather, yeah. not, 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 not in relation to the money that you pay. Are you getting better? You're not getting better then you need to go to somebody who might be actually getting better. So you have the choice and you need to exercise that choice but don't just blame the person because you have paid x number of money to that person you haven't got got better with that that, and you find somebody else you find why it's not actually
1: working. Right it actually is like a joint effort Not, not only a therapist you also have to put in efforts like doctor mentioned last question you also have to invest time and effort from your end uh, you know, to get better. All right. So sixth myth which I wanted to discuss. This is a common belief. I've heard it from people uh, saying these words as as a joke, etc. So it's a common belief that people believe people suffering from mental illness are naturally violent and they belong in hospitals. So what is, what is, what is your take on that? Not
2: everybody, no. Um, I would, my, my, I don't from scientific evidence that we know that is, not, that is not true. But there are certain types of illness, there are certain conditions that um, that you to be violent um, and, and or aggressive in, in some way because of the fact, because of the illness itself, really. It's not as yeah. US and I think, so that in under those circumstances, then I think that person might require a secure, um, in a ward or environment where the person need to be in, in terms of containing, but that doesn't mean to say that, and, and that, that person requires treatment, he should be locked up and then just be ignored. The person okay. should be receiving adequate treatment as any other person, uh, so yeah. that the person is able to control some of those things, um, um, yeah. in the anger and other mechanisms, because, because anger and anger management can be done, can be dealt with people. Um, yeah. and, and in extreme cases, I know a person might be out of reality in certain contexts, um, but I think in those circ- circumstances, there is a need to control um, uh, what is actually happening around the person, and and then make the situation better for the person to to improve things. But there are limited, limited number of um, conditions where that violence and aggression might actually happen. Um, the other conditions are in relation to some of the alcohol, alcohol-related uh, mental illness, because alcohol also in, in, um, in the, if you consume excessive amounts of alcohol, then that increase, that also causes mental illness. Um, so alcohol is not a relaxant, alcohol is a, is a depressant. So, uh, but and, and um, but a moderate intake might be, might be beneficial, but I don't know. Um, but i think so it's important that you don't you if you can see excessive amounts of it then that actually makes you very aggressive um, that, right. and that also that and also substance abuse substance abuse also makes you very aggressive um and and also violent behavior as well and then in addition to that you might also uh, become mentally ill as a result of all those things too so i think um so i think the, because the media the media is the culprit here The media puts right. is a very negative image of somebody with mental illness and I think the media always portrays a person with mental illness with violence. So that person who has had mental illness has killed a person. whether somebody else, you know, in a war, somebody else because of their supremacy, they're killing thousands. They don't worry about that. They kill about right. one person, and kill somebody right. else, or because of their illness or misunderstanding. So the media has a major role. Media need to be educated in terms of what is mental illness and what is mental health, and what are the kind of stuff. We have. They don't know anything about. So I think it is important before they actually write about in the media about the the, the known cases of, 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 of mental illness. I think they need to think twice as to how, how they need to provide a better story um, and they need to provide a realistic story um, around a person with mental illness and their families. And I think that's a huge responsibility, both the social media um, and, and also the print and the visual media as well.
1: Right. All right. That's that's fantastic to hear such a critique on that. Right, the seventh myth, which is kind kind of a follow up to that, you know, it's 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 a it's a myth which needs a real hard look at. It's a common belief that we cannot do anything for individuals suffering from mental health issues. So, what wh- what are your thoughts on that? Who said that again? Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's uh, no, I think we
2: uh, can do everything that you can do for the person with mental illness or a person with disability. Right. and I think, uh, You have to do everything for the person to actually make the person better. Um, and I think it is only through that you can actually do that. So, but I think the same way you do everything for your family member who has got cancer. You, could, you do everything possible for the family member who is actually experiencing stroke. You do right. for the same person who might actually experience a heart problem or diabetes or whatever. So why not mental illness? But I think it is. It, you can get better, you can recover from mental illness. Um, you can. You might actually have some symptoms. You might actually have, you know, you might still feel down certain days, etc. But you can still lead an adequate life. You can still lead. find happiness in, in, in your life. All those things are possible. You can still recover from some of those things and then you can lead a better life. So I think it's important that you must provide whatever support and whatever, um, you know, help that is possible uh, for a person experiencing distress and also a person having uh, mental health issues as well. So I think it is it is vital, we should, we should never ignore them, we should never call them names, uh, we should never call them socially, we should never isolate them, um, we should be with them, we should, we should try and protect them uh, in the, the best way possible um, and we should provide them the best treatment uh, in a way that was available to anybody uh, with physical illness as well. Um, and I think some of that, the other thing is actually the physical illness some of the physical illness can also cause mental illness, and some of the mental illness can also cause physical illness. So there is that we need to bear that in mind. In terms of some people with mental illness, might also have a heart condition, um, and may develop a heart condition later on. On some of the psychotropic medications, some of the antipsychotic medication does actually increase the heart rate in, in some ways as well. So the so medication do actually have side effects. So it is important that that the person is actually monitored regularly, the person is actually seeing a professional, um, a registered professional who is able to monitor all those things and blood levels, and those things are very important because otherwise the person might be in danger if you don't actually pay much attention to that person. So, so I think the medication regime has to be carefully controlled, carefully regulated, um, and, and should, take that, that should be gradually reduced so that other kind of self-help and therapeutic modalities can take its place.
1: Right, right. I'm pretty sure people who are watching and uh, people who are going to watch the YouTube video later, once I put it live, are going to benefit a lot from these because uh, what I'm hearing from you is many of the thoughts which we all have because of the lack of awareness. You know, sometimes a friend calls and tells you certain things about his situation, his anxiety. We might have the tendency to ignore it or. Don't give the right, uh, even not even listening to them properly. So I think these answers will really, really help everybody. All right. So next myth, which I wanted to discuss with you was the belief that children cannot have mental health issues. So what are your thoughts on that,
0: doctor?
2: Well, uh, children are very susceptible to mental illness. Uh, Nearly 50% of mental illness actually happens before the age of 14. Um, uh, or the other, the other percentage actually happens before the age of 24. Um, mm-hmm. So I think uh, you do develop uh, mental illness at a very early age. Um, it's a maximum, I think. Um, so what is, um, that, that doesn't mean to say that, um, you know, that um, because everybody is susceptible to it. All children are susceptible to it. And obviously with the genetic conditions um, and other things, people with disabilities are, are more susceptible to it. People with learning disabilities, people with developmental disabilities, people with autism, etc. are people with autism are feeling highly anxious um, about things yeah. as well. So I think there is a high anxiety issue associated with autism. There are other mental health issues associated with um, developmental disabilities as well. So it is not. I mean, I think so altogether. There are, there are issues in relation to how um, a young person's life need to be uh, well managed. So I think what should actually happen. Um, is that? rather than looking at the problem, I think we might actually uh, the prevention is always better than cure. So I think for uh, children, for children, I think you need to provide them a safe environment, you need to actually have an opportunity to talk about um, things and issues, gain uh, you know the schooling. And I know India is a country where a lot of pressure is actually put on children. I've been I've been a victim of that myself in my younger days myself as well. So I think you know, it's just how how excessive pressure is actually put on children that you must actually get X number of grades. You know, if you, if you come come home without without 100%, then parents often ask what actually happened. Why did you get 110%? So there are like, severe pressure pressure to perform and, and again to achieve certain things and whatever. So I think. It, it, it could have some kind of a, a, a relaxation there in terms of high pressure. Often builds up a stress and strain and 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 sadness and other things because the person is not able to achieve in relation to the expectation of their parents, in the expectation of their peers, etc. All these things are trigger factors for, for for young people. So you need to provide a kind of an environment where they are actually able to articulate that, able to talk about these things, um, and also say you know a safe environment with the parents. And, and good food, not junk food, good food, a good balanced diet, exercise um, and the ability to um, you know, engage in creative arts, uh, you know dance, drama arts and, and, and cricket or football or whatever all those kind of things need to be encouraged as well. and also social networks and so because we have a problem here in the in the Western world as well in relation to you know number of people are uh, hooked on social media. Uh, and 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 one would actually have expected that if you have um, if you have uh, in five thousand friends on the social media and you're still feeling very lonely as a result. So there's so something wrong. Is something wrong with the media or something wrong in the how you actually operate on the context? So loneliness. I think children sometimes actually feel very lonely and socially isolated because of because of the environment in which they live, because of the family context, or uh, a number of other things as well. I think it's important that. We provide that. We look at that and 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 cherish um, a young person's life in in the best way possible, and and provide them the best education, but not pressurize them to do what we want them to do. Get them to do what they want them to do. Um, and I right. think that is, that is very crucial so that then they don't have the stress and strain of other things. They already have the stress and strain of actually going to school and, and having to socialize and having to meet and having to perform and all those things that don't provide undue pressure um, um, to, to young people, to children. Right. Because yeah. I think It is a developmental age whereby you have to provide the best care, the best help and the best outlook for that person. And I think it is crucial that we, we, we look at that in the positive sense.
1: Right. I hope uh, every parent is listening to this because it's some of the tendencies which we have as a parent to do all these kind of things. All right. So, uh, another, the ninth myth, we have one more myth to go. So ninth myth about mental health is the belief that only certain type of individuals experience mental health issues. What do you have to say to those folks?
2: no, that is not true. Um, uh, in the sense that uh, everybody actually can actually experience mental uh, health. Everybody experiences mental health. Everybody is also able to actually experience mental distress and mental mm-hmm. illness as well. So I think uh, the thing is that um, you know the WHO talks about um, that there is no health without mental health. So which actually makes sure that that you know the physical health and mental health are actually looked upon as one continuum of things, not as a separate mm-hmm. entity. So it's important to see that as, as a totality of, of the person's life. So I think um, in terms of um, uh, the, in anybody, some people might be more susceptible to actually experience depression or anxiety because of the last some genetic, say for, say for example, children with autism and, and when they, when they go into adulthood, they're more susceptible to be more anxious. Um, and there are, there are things that we still don't know why, why that actually happens. Um, so there are still a lot of unknowns in, in the field as well in terms of there is not any enough evidence for us to say this is the reason why that is actually happening so right. um, but I think it, it more or less I think every we can all actually experience it but I think the environment in which the person is actually there more than the genetics and this thing the environment may be a major trigger factor Conflict-ridden environments might actually make, make, make somebody more prone um, to develop mental, more, uh, mental illness, child or adult. Say for example, if you have family, family background in terms of, uh, you know, the parent uh, the father is an alcoholic or mother is an alcoholic or whatever, that, that might actually be a major trigger factor in terms of actually tilting the person towards mental illness or, or some kind of instability. So, so I think that there are some environmental factors, there are social factors in terms of, you know, I am not a very good socializer. I, mean, I only have five friends. Um, and what do I need to actually have? But as the other person the next door to me, have got, you know, 20 friends. And then if I think that I'm, you know, I'm not happy with my five friends, then I think i managed actually feel a bit sad and I'm actually, you know, then, then there is an expectation on me to actually develop my friendship and network to be seen as, as, as somebody better off than the other person. All those kind yeah, of peer yeah. pressures, especially when you're young, all those peer pressures actually tend to create some kind of a conflict, uh, and, and, and 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 I think so it is important to understand that, but I can talk about all those things that because we have traveled through those journeys and then got here, so right. I think one piece. <laughs> <So basically, laughs> you know, I think mean, we have we experienced all these things, but I think it's making sense of it that is important, and I think it might right. take a while, it might take a while for us to make sense of it. I think that's right. where, you know—the kind of relaxation, sports, um, and yoga, and other kind of things, um, and engaging in creative arts, and talking about things in a good, supportive friendship circles, etc. All helps us to understand what is it that we are going through. And I think you need to get that feedback. Uh, then, then I think you know you only then need to go to go to the professional if you think that you are actually going past the barrier of where you think you need to see professional help. of those conditions we all feel down we all feel very sad we all feel depressed one day uh, and you're okay the next day and all those things actually happen in in one day itself um so i think it is taking stock of those things and and that sadness and other things and i think you know it's it's also having a sense of purpose in life it's also about having a a sense of happiness in life you 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 and you alone can create that happiness not anybody else So I think it's important that to have that understanding, you are, you know, there is the old Eastern philosophy, the old, old Indian saying, everything is actually within you. That is very true in relation to, you create your own happiness, you create your own well-being, you create your own things. And I think it's important to understand that and that's where some of the feedback comes in from, from other people to understand yourself and how you create meaning um, and um, how um, then you can then uh, understand your own physical and mental health and well-being. And resilience is also a concept here. You know how you create because with all this trauma that actually one goes through, um, you create resilience. You 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 grow out of it. You 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 come out of it in one piece. You know you 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 bounce back. You know you have had x number of things. You know, your your parents might have been very young while you have to had have to care for them, or your parents have been um, you know but maybe there are mother issues or the, the, the marriage has been split up or whatever really, there are a number of issues that will be happening. How does a child uh, or a young person grow out of it and how do you try that? And all those things are good stories of resilience. So just because, just because a person comes from a very uh, high conflict environment does not mean to say that the person is actually able to be, you'll be, be mentally ill or will be experiencing mental distress all their lifetime. You can create that. You can create a d- different narrative. You can create a positive narrative. That very much depends upon how you operate within that kind of, thing, how you understanding things and what your support mechanisms
1: are. Right, right. Absolutely. That's a fantastic uh, answer for that question. Uh, the final myth which I wanted to discuss with you today is because we are all stuck with this pandemic right now. There's a belief, common belief nowadays that it is impossible to get treatment for mental health issues during this pandemic. What are your
2: thoughts on that? I think that is true. That is very true, not just in India. That is true here as well. We have been in the UK. We have been locked down so far. Um, And so during the the pandemic period, obviously hospitals were not actually being accessed uh, for people with severe mental illness. It was difficult for them to actually access um, and um, mental health services. Um, and they could not actually could not even go and see the GP you um, the general, general practitioner in terms of the first protocol here uh, uh, in getting through the system um, of being a specialist or, or professional help. So that was not possible. But I think because the because the events have overtaken, um, you know, not, not by not because of you and me or anything else. Because I think that, that's how nature has operated. So it's beyond our control here. It's important to understand that it's beyond our control. Situations are overtaken beyond our control. So I think it's important to un- understand that context. And then right. yes, then I think there are there are people actually do online uh, therapy, online conversations um, under these contexts. So you may not necessarily be able to to somebody face to face. But I think there are other options available, Um, uh, you know, um, digital technology has actually improved over the last year in terms of therapeutic policies. And I think that's important to use that. But I think just because uh, the the pandemic certainly has had a major impact both in in all parts of the world uh, in terms of mental health. Also people are becoming more aware of mental health and well-being in the pandemic. There is a positive side to it as well in terms of understanding that. That's how you know, there are difficulties, there are difficulties that I to experience in the first when I think because of the lockdown, you can't actually go out and discuss the, the that you experience, you can't talk to um, other people, etc. There are issues surrounding that as well. But I think it's important that you create, you use your uh, imagination, you use your inventiveness, you use your connectivity. You use your resourcefulness to overcome um, some of those things, you know, you, you you have you have the most up-to-date digital technology in your hand, to connect with exactly. people, to talk to people yes. with that and there's hundreds yeah. of thousands of users to that um, and I think, so I think you have to be very imaginative in how you operate to that. Okay, yeah, some, not everybody has got a smartphone, I understand that. There are people within rural communities, there are people within tribal communities um, and, and, and who actually experience some of those things as well and I think they might not actually be able to seek the right kind of help. And sport, but there are some other charities that actually work with those people, um, um, providing those services uh, in the best possible way. But I think yes, it is, it is an issue. Uh, it is, it, it, it be, we are living through that at the moment as we speak. Um, and I think it, it is what one, one of the one thing that we should bear in mind is that the pandemic is yes there, it's been here for for the last um, year and a half. Um, but we need to see beyond it. It is. It will go one day. I can't predict. Um, I can't predict when it is going to go. Unfortunately, um, but I think it, it, we have to visualize beyond the pandemic. We, it, you know, right. we can, and I think we need to make sense out of it. We need to contextualize it. We need to see that you know we can function in whatever. Way. There are limitations. Uh, you know, I can't go and see anybody else, and I can't go to my office when I've been sitting in my office and operating my my work around the world from here. And 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 I, and I don't. And some people have to go to work to earn a living. I know people. Um, you know. I think. I think for them it is very difficult. So right. there are issues around it. And I think. But uh, it is easy for me to sit down and say, I think positive. And I think the positive psychologist land of think positive. Yes. But I think. Yeah. But there is some sense in it. You need to make some positive sense out of what is actually happening current now. So right. it's only making some positive positive sense that you can actually create that happiness and well-being
1: absolutely so those were 10 myths some of them we busted some of them we got in we added a new perspective from doctor so you know uh, now i want to ask a personal question to you you know you wear a mul- you wear multiple hats when it comes to your work you you are a chair at dr monfort university you're also a director at mart's research center it would be fantastic if you can share some information about the work you're currently doing uh, especially from the disability cultural diversity uh, perspective, it will be fantastic to hear that. Okay,
2: right. I'm um, I'm my I'm a researcher. I used to I used to practice. I used to work in the health service here long time ago, um, but I've been an academic for the last uh, twenty years here. So, so I, I normally say I'm paid to think. <laughs> um, you know, I'm paid to think, it. I'm paid to think the impossible uh, in, in terms of how things work out and how to find meanings in relation to this. So I'm, I'm a professor, uh, I've come through all academic ladders in terms of I've been a lecturer, I've, I've taught students um, and now I don't teach that many students but I have a lot of PhD students who actually work with me. Um, so I, I have my main um, uh, job is actually trying to uh, do research. Um, research work within the UK and, and, and in India and also in other parts of the world as well. So we currently work, we have a vested interest in culture and mental health because culture um, influences the way we shape um, our understandings etc. So in, in the UK we work with people, from different cultural communities, people who are actually from India, or Pakistan, Bangladesh, people from Africa, Africa, and all and all many other country, co- countries as well, who are what we call the minority ethnic communities in the UK, um, and obviously, um, you know, there is the, there is abundance of racism, there is abundance of discrimination, there is abundance of everything here in terms of uh, different uh, people of different colors. Um, so mental health, uh, there is like a less a less awareness of mental health. Uh, for people from those minority communities, they don't actually go to the mental health services that is already here. Um, so we, in the my research concerns around how we make them a better understanding about those things and how we enable them to actually access mental health services. And also, I've come. I've worked in the field of disabilities. I worked with people with severe disabilities, severe learning disabilities, and mental illness, and also people with autism. In my previous incarnation, as I started my career, for that, um, and, and and I think so. Uh, you know, we' are also working with the families and and, and 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 people with disabilities in terms of mental health and 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 uh what are the best ways of actually approaching their issues etc and i'm a, i'm interested in, in the cultural concept of things in a like how, uh, how we make cultural meanings um of, of mental health cultural narratives um about mental health and as i said to you earlier on it is not just looking at the symptom you're looking at a person you're looking at the community so we have we just we have a um, couple of projects in in India. Um, um, you know, we completed a project in India in Pune um, on uh, on uh, how do slum dwelling communities construct resilience because they are under severe trauma and uh, they're living mm-hmm. and nothing but there is happiness there is happiness uh, that they construct themselves in the midst of all those trauma. So we were able to tell that story because everybody thinks that you know living in a slum is yeah yeah there are multiple issues and they have a number of mm-hmm. mental health issues and they they all anxious they're all depressed yeah okay fine so but. But how do they construct they are living there, they're still standing and 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 they're, they're, there's a story to be told. So we use a drama, use community theatre as a modality of working with those little communities and we're trying to tell their stories of resilience. Because the problem is in research, I think it doesn't have to be all neatly driven data sets. Um, I right. mean my story is also a data, and people's right. story yes. is also a data. So I think you need, to tell, you need to tell the stories and stories. And I think research through storytelling is what, what I'm trying to perfect in in, in relation to how, how we tell the stories and how we enable people to tell the stories. I'm not doing research to people. I'm doing research with people. I want to engage with people. I want to communicate with them. I want to hold their hand. I want to I want to work with them. And I think that's the way we actually do. And we have a big project in Kerala in, in southern India. Um, where we have work on mental health literacy in urban and rural communities, um, and I think that is coming to the end of that stage in October. That will finish. We've done quite a bit of theatre. also does theatre, film, um, and and digital um, storytelling and other other things as well. So we were planning to actually come to um, Kerala, um, you know, uh, but in pre this is pre March conversation. But then now we suddenly realize that we may not be able to get there before October. So we want to use digital technology to try and see how small those things. We have kept that project going through, through the digital technology. We have kept meetings going every week. So all those things are possible. I mean, I can have done all those things from here. So it is important that I think the will, I think it's bringing people together. If you have a medium, we can bring people together. Enable, you know, a lot of, because we have people working in India with us, uh, research fellows and research assistants. And sometimes they tell, oh, it's not possible. It's all lockdown, sir. We can't do anything. No, well, you can. Mm-hmm. You can eat. You can think it doesn't cost you anything you don't have to go out to think you can write you can you can do things so yeah. all those things are possible so I think we, we even we, we even run a film festival in the midst of the last um, last lockdown we run a film festival as well yeah. in the Indian context in Kerala yeah. as well as well so so that, I, that we can kind of work around those things I want my 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 kind of idea yeah. is that to to mainstream that health conversations, um and um you know how we create mental health literacy. So I'm trying to actually work, link up with various universities in India, various organizations in India, um, in terms of how we can bring take on the work of mental health literacy and try little projects and, and trying to get a better impact about the project in trying to see how this is actually shaping up in the next 10 years. Um, right. So I think that is that is the agenda that I have. I want three hundred, you know, how many, I don't know, um, you know the kind of one point i know i know i can't get the 1.3 billion people to talk about mental health but it i can. know i can that
1: i know i can get 100,000 people to talk about mental health issue and that is that is that is okay for me i'm, I'm pretty sure you're touching more than that number at the moment and i i completely agree with the statement which you said that you are paid to think the impossible you are doing impossible things i'm so glad to hear that maybe next time you're in kerala i might catch up i am from kerala also so i might get a chance to meet you all right my final question uh, this i ask all my guests because this show was started in midst the pandemic so how has covid19 impacted you already mentioned about a little bit about how it impacted your work but how is how has it impacted you as a person Uh, professionally,
2: and how is 2021 looking up in UK? Yes, obviously, even when the pandemic has um, impacted on on our lifestyles and and our work uh, thing as well here, Um, lifestyles in the sense that obviously, you know, I used to be a frequent flyer to to a number of countries, uh, and I'm not able to do that. But okay, I mean, so I'm in, in and the positive slant to that. Obviously, there is an environmental. I'm not actually, I'm very carbon conscious. Obviously, there is then, I don't have to spend all that money on petrol or diesel or plane fare. So, but I can sit here and talk um, to all those people without those things. So, there is the point, yeah. make use of the opportunities available um, to you. Um, so, I think in a made sense of, um, I've done, done all the things that I used to do. I have, for me, I think that has an influence. And I think. I'm that that I'm not an exception. I just I just felt very motivated and I have to do those things and I have to do X, Y, and Z come what may. And I think that may have actually helped me push together. and I also having a supportive family is, is also very, very good thing here. Absolutely. And I think that, um so I think you have the fortunate to actually have those those things But I think in just you you, you have to we, you know in the, I' will tell you an example you know in the middle in the middle of the pandemic here in the middle of the lockdown here we even uh, up uh, 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 we even worked through um, the, the health minister uh, and the prime minister uh, and other agencies in a, in a tiny country called Guyana in South America right. okay uh, Guyana in South America is the, is the, is the country where they have um, I think they used to be the, the second uh, highest number of suicide rates in the entire world okay. It used to be the first, but I think it, it like gradually come down. So I think we were trying to look at mental health systems and how how we can bring in some of the the, the, the indigenous communities, the rural communities, etc., to talk about mental health, and because they have a very um, uh, old mental health system, so we're trying to be, see how that could be worked on. So. You were able to talk to people purely on digital technology and connect with people and all those things. So it is possible. I mean, you, know, it, you you got it in your hand. You got you got your mobile phones and you got other things. Use those resources wisely. Um, I mean, I know not everything can be possible. Not everybody able to do that. Uh, but I think yeah, you just do those things. And and I like gardening and I like doing doing X, y, and Z. Um. So I think you know, keep myself engaged through my daily yoga and, and, and other things as well. So, you know, that it's not just not work, work, work all the way. You have to think outside <laughs> of work. You have to think outside right. of work. You have to make meaning out of things. You have to see. And I think the pandemic, it is difficult. I know even I was okay with the thing, but I think and now I have that, you know, towards the end of last year, towards the beginning of this year, you know, I was also feeling the thing that, why oh, you do want to go out. I don't, because you normally go to the supermarket. You don't go anywhere else. So I do want to go out. I do want to see some people. I do want to see my friends. But no, it's not possible. So it's it's uh, you know. But you just have to look at other ways of actually doing it. So right. So I'm not saying that it's it's you know it, it's it, I made some sense out of it myself and, and yeah some success with it as well. So right. but that yeah. may not be the case for everybody. I know. But that I'm just okay. telling my story. My story That's is right. not as a story. That's
1: right. Yeah, I, I love the way at least you put a positive spin on it because. That's what is needed these days. Now, there is no other way for us. We have to go through this. So, uh, and uh, thank you so much, doctor, for taking time out today and sharing all these valuable insights. Uh, I enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much. Stay safe. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Bye bye. All right. So, that is Dr. Raghu Raghavan. I enjoyed the conversation. I'm so grateful for people like him, right? Because mental health is a topic which we all ignore you know i have a friend my college friend who is suffering from mental health illness from the time he was graduated so he still calls me fortnightly once to just talk about the simple things he's able to do and i pick up his call some for the last two days i've not picked up his call and i feel so sorry about that He calls me, I listen to him, we chat about biryani in Tamil Nadu and things like that. So that's all we can do, right? We can be there for people who are facing some challenges. We all do this. So we have to figure out whether it's a distress like doctor said, or is it an illness? So talk to somebody who knows it, talk to somebody who can listen to you and give you the right advice. So this was my effort for spreading some amount of awareness about this mental health Uh, issues and challenges we face. So next, this May is out of the way. June, as usual, the program will continue with other stuff related to small and medium businesses. I hope to bring some interesting guests from the marketing world. Uh, I was not feeling well this week, but I wanted to do this show somehow with Dr. and listen to his insights. So I want all of you to stay safe and I will see you all for next episode, next Friday. Happy weekend, guys.
0: Thank you for listening to The Thrifty Marketer Podcast. For more exciting episodes like these, please follow The Thrifty Marketer Podcast today. Now available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. See you next episode.